Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. This is Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley here on Saturday afternoon on 560 KLZ. Today we've got a show that is going to be filled with fishing. We're going to have reports from all across the state from various uh, guides. So we're going to have Ronnie Castiglione with Fishful Thinker coming on here in a little bit to give us a report on northern Colorado fishing. We're also going to have Dennis Hunter coming on from All Pro uh, guide service that is going to be talking about South Park trout and pike. That bite has been definitely a good one to be going with here, and it's it's really a great time to be fishing out here. And Scott always is talking about uh, hunting with a little bit of fishing mixed in with myself, but today we're going to be focusing in on the fishing. So this time of year is always challenging to try and figure out what to do. We've got options on all this hunting and all this fishing as well, but right now we're going to start off with a report from the local bodies of water. So I guide on Chatfield and Cherry Creek Reservoir as well as I'm a co-owner at Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive, but as far as these guide trips lately, we're really starting to see a great fall bite going on, and, and we've been out on Cherry Creek a whole bunch as of late. Uh, Cherry Creek, as we've talked about, and if, if anyone's a, an avid listener of the show, has heard me mention that there's a lot of bait fish out there. So there's a cyclical cycle of, of shad in the lake where you're, you're finding this time of year, there's all the little babies that are out over the open water. And these little small shad create an, an absolute immense amount of food sources for the walleyes and the various other species that are out there as well. And those shad create a situation where you're not really able to feed the fish. You're having to get them to react. So earlier in the season, a lot of people have great success throwing things like crawler harnesses and Blade, uh, blade bait still to mix in as well, but then jigs and leeches, soft plastics, all sorts of different things when those fish are really on the feed. They're up shallow, they're eating well, but this time of year, that's just simply not the case. So these fish are literally filled to the brim with shad, and getting them to eat can be a challenge at times. So lately, we've been fishing with a lot of jigging wraps and a lot of blade baits. And what those guys are is actually a, a lure that creates a, a very aggressive, fast-paced motion that gets those walleyes to react to it. So a jigging wrap originally was designed by Rapala as a ice fishing lure, uh, originally as a, as a vertical jigging lure, and we certainly will do some of that, but in general, we're doing a lot of casting with those jigging wraps. So we're finding these fish, trying to find them up shallow on structure points, uh, ideally if, uh, this time of year, and really any time of year, if you have walleyes that are shallow, that is going to be a fish that is going to be up there actively feeding. So you can get up there in, in early morning, right as the daylight starts, I'm going to be up in that range of honestly as shallow as four feet of water and then drift myself out a little bit deeper as the, the day progresses. But I'll catch fish from four to 18 feet of water. But the whole key to the situation is finding fish that are up on top of a structure point. So whether you're in a boat or you're on the shoreline, trying to find a little drop off and work these jigging wraps up along that drop off is critical. So a jigging wrap, as I mentioned, we're casting it out and we're letting it sink all the way down to the bottom. And from that point, we're giving it a hard aggressive rip and then letting it fall back down and a hard aggressive rip and then letting it fall back down. And that is creating a situation where those fish eat it as a reaction as it's falling down 
and they'll almost always eat it on the fall. So, and we've mentioned these jigging wraps a lot before, but I'm going to kind of go into depth here as to exactly how to be fishing these. So we're giving these lures a hard rip on slack line. That's the whole key to the situation. If you pull them as that line is tight, the fish seems simply just do not bite it. So we're ripping it on slack, reeling just enough. And then the next pull again, I'm on slack line once again. So I'm letting it fall on slack and I'm pulling it on slack. So that is a critical element. So as far as colors are concerned, Cherry Creek lately has been uh, a lot of purples have been very worthwhile, um, but then also some chromes as well as a little bit of gold mixed in. So in general, we're trying to, to match that hatch a little bit. And, and a, an actual live shad, although looks silver, definitely has a lot of purpley hues to it, and those walleyes respond to those purples quite well. Now there's also another lure that we'll fish out there that's called a blade bait. A blade bait is very similar to something called a rattle trap, if anyone is uh, familiar with that. Uh, it, it, as you're pulling it through the water column, you have aggressive vibrations. So it, it, if you just were to reel it, it just is going to vibrate heavily. Now we're casting these blade baits out, letting them sink all the way down, and then lifting up and letting them fall, and lifting up and letting them fall. And it's the same general type of technique as the jigging wrap, but just much softer. So rather than that heavy, aggressive rip, we're uh, finding that the, the fish bite it a lot better on that soft pull. Now, another way to fish both of these lures, especially if you're finding fish that are a bit spread out, which is certainly the case at the moment, is to actually be utilizing my boat as my reeling. So rather than giving myself that big, hard rip and reel type presentation, I'm uh, using my electric motor and pulling as I'm going forward and casting those baits behind the boat. Jigging wraps are on a lot harder, aggressive pull, moving about 0.8 to 0.9 miles per hour. The blade baits, I'm more at a 0.3 to 0.4 mile per hour range with that much softer pull. So both of those techniques have been incredibly effective out at Cherry Creek. And the early morning has definitely been critical. I've been finding all our big fish in the early morning, and historically this is a time of year when the big fish really are starting to come out. This last week we were we landed one fish that was nearing 30 inches and had a couple others that uh, got off right at the side of the boat that were some fish that just barely had that hook. Uh, but this is a time of year if you're looking for a big fish, it certainly is a good time to, to target those fish. Now I do want to mention as well that Cherry Creek, Chatfield, and Pueblo are the brood stock fisheries for the entire state. So that creates a situation of even more importance to release these big females. These fish are really the, the lifeblood of that entire lake and uh, a big female can produce countless numbers of eggs to then be artificially inseminated and put into these other bodies of water. So that is a, a critical thing to be thinking about as you catch those fish. There's awesome replica fish uh, companies. Uh, Rocky Mountain Taxidermy is one of them that does really well. If you could get a big one, they'll do a replica mount and you don't have to worry about killing that fish. So that is uh, an absolutely critical, critical element. So shifting over to Chatfield a bit, uh, same type of thought process, but still a little bit different. So Chatfield in general has uh, a bit clearer water than Cherry Creek has, uh, especially with the, the plat coming through it on a regular basis. Now that creates a situation where you're fishing a little bit deeper than you are at Cherry Creek. So rather than getting up to four feet of water, about the most shallow I'm going to be fishing at Chatfield is going to be about an eight foot of range uh, at the very, very shallowest. So a lot of times I'm, I'm more in the 12, 13 
13, 14, 15 foot range out there. And these fish are set up in the same general type of way at Chatfield. So uh, earlier this season, the, the water got up pretty high and it created one of the best uh, shad hatches I've seen out there in about 10 years. So we lost a lot of bait fish uh, in about 2013 with a big flood that came through, but we're getting back to it and it's uh, creating a bit tougher fishing, but the fishery itself is going to be a lot uh, healthier at the moment. So the fish are, are getting bigger and we're seeing some nice ones. So finding these fish on structure has been the critical element, as I've mentioned roadbeds uh, as well as the bridge have been really productive but then we also have some really nice structure points that are to the north and to the south of that roadbed so the, that lake used to be an old gravel quarry and it's physically an actual road an actual bridge that we used to go over the river and there's all sorts of different humps and drop-offs out there and these fish are positioned up on those humps and drop-offs. Uh, jigging wraps and blade baits both have been productive. However, I've been doing a bit more of a chartreuse uh, with a bit of a perch mix in on the colors on the jigging wraps. Sometimes matching the hatch exactly, as we talk about in fly fishing and, and we'll talk about in the last segment today, uh, it can be critical to get it just right, but it's also it's important sometimes to go a little bit different. So when you have as many bait fish are as out on these lakes, fishing something that's just a little bit different in color sometimes can set yourself apart. So that's what I've been doing a bit on those perch uh, jigging wraps. Now, the blade baits, ironically, the pinks have been really good. Uh, pink, in, in general, is a great walleye color and a blade bait that I really feel like is underutilized, but that blade has also been very uh, worthwhile. Now, something different out at Chatfield is that we're seeing a lot of panfish, uh, perch and bluegills both. They, this time of year, they come out of the shallows and out of the weed beds, and they get out off the road beds, and they get on the bridge, and you have opportunities at a lot of panfish out there. So both perch and bluegills, a pretty high-quality size. Uh, you'll pick some off on, on some of the blade baits, certainly, but then we've also just been doing some basic techniques of a slip bobber and a small piece of crawler over the top of the bridge to have some really good success on one line and then vertical jigging a, a tiny little spoon. You could do a Swedish pimple. Cast masters can be worthwhile. Also some little clam ice fishing spoons can be good. Uh, so we're just working those on, on one rod and then having that slip bobber on the secondary rod. And it's really a great technique if you're looking to take some kids out and you can find those structure points because it can be pretty fast paced and then maybe mix in a walleye or a bass as well. Uh, smallmouth, as we mentioned, uh, these other fish species are another one of the, the biggest fish uh, species in that entire lake. There's an absolute huge biomass of them. Right now we're finding the majority of those fish out toward the dam face. So that, that damn rock face is pretty snaggy over there, but fishing along the outside edge has been productive. Earlier in the season, you'll find that tube jigs and Ned rigs work really well, imitating those crawfish. But this time of year, as we've talked about these shad, same type of situation goes where these, these bass are absolutely filling themselves with shad. And it is tough to get them to, to bite something that is not imitating what they're feeding on. So things like swim baits, uh, Kitex swing impacts are very good. Uh, walleye assassin swim baits from Bass Assassin Lure Company are a really good choice as well. And then you could even throw something like uh, a little rattle trap or a rip and wrap from Rapala to just cast out and retrieve back and imitate those, those wounded bait fish. Larger rods, if, you, if you've got the ability to do it, there's something called an Alabama rig that is probably one of the, the best techniques out there that in uh, it, it's also known as an umbrella rig where there's five different wires that you're putting lures on every single wire and you're doing the swim bait 
setup that creates almost a schooling shad look. Now, one thing in Colorado is that the regulation uh, only allows for three hooks on any individual rig. So you have to use two dummies when you're using that rig, but that's something if you have a big heavy rod that can work actually quite well. And all of this stuff I want to mention as well. I'm co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive is the address. And we are one of the absolute biggest so we have one of the biggest selections of tackle in the entire state and all of the stuff we're talking about we we have in stock as well as people including myself that can walk you through any of these techniques and really get into a much higher detailed level than what we just have here in just a few minutes in each one of these segments so that is something that uh, if anyone's looking for additional information i am more than happy or any of my employees are more than happy to help out with that at any time so right before we get to some of these other uh, segments coming up here, uh, I want to make mention of some local opportunities as well. So this time of year, Parks and Wildlife is starting to stock a lot of trout in these local bodies of water. And throughout the whole summertime, that sometimes can be a bit challenging to catch these fish for the fact that they're getting out deeper. So unlike bass and walleyes and panfish, trout do best in a colder water environment. So when we're getting into a situation where water temperatures are starting to fall, I'm starting to see temperatures that in, into the mid-60s in the early part of the day, and especially as, as we continue to progress into fall here, we are going to be having water temperatures falling, and these trout are going to be coming up shallow as well as having uh, newly stocked trout. So it's a great shore fishing opportunity. Places like the North Boat Ramp at Chatfield and some of the shoreline edges at Aurora all are going to have good trout coming into it. And both Chatfield and Aurora have good holdover fish due to their depth. Lakes like Cherry Creek get pretty warm, so you're not finding as big of trout due to the fact that a lot of those fish are kind of on a put-and-take basis out there, and there's not many that survive throughout the summertime. So these big trout will come up shallow as well as uh, additional stock trout, and anglers can have great success in a variety of ways. So you can go as simple as a dough bait rig cast out on the bottom with something like power bait or Zeke's uh, dough bait, even some salmon eggs can be effective. But then you can also throw some lures as well. So things like a Panther Martin spinner, a MEPS or a Blue Fox, all are a very worthwhile selection. Castmasters also can be good. And then sometimes you'll find that these fish are sitting in a... Uh, they're, they're high in the water column, they're rising, and some of these other lures aren't going to be quite as effective, so maybe a fly in a bubble is a great selection as well. Things like a woolly bugger with a small pheasant tail or hare's ear as a trailer, all are very, very good selections. So that's something that uh, certainly think about as well, along with these walleyes and bass and panfish that we're talking about. But at this time, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, next, we're going to have Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker coming on to talk about northern Colorado walleye, bass, and trout fishing. So you're listening to Sportsman of Colorado on 560 AM KLZ. At Flash and Beck Law, your attorney sets you at ease from the first meeting so you have the space to think clearly. After an injury, you immediately start worrying about how you will afford the healing process. You start thinking about insurance deductibles, physical therapy appointments, vehicle repairs, and how to pay for rent in the meantime. Listening to one calm, qualified voice throughout the process will help you think rationally instead of making decisions based on anxiety. Call Flesh and Beck Law for a free, no-obligation consultation, and you will talk to a lawyer right away, not some legal assistant who just wants to find out how much money your case might be worth. Then, once you and your attorney both decide to move forward with your case, you will continue working with that attorney the whole time. 
the same person who meets you for a consultation will also sit beside you in court. Eliminate the fear of the unknown. Call Flesh and Beck Law at 303-806-8886. For years now, you've heard me talk about Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. Hey, this is Scott Watley, and yes, for almost 20 years, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center has been taking care of our pets. From medical, grooming, boarding, and even training, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center is your one stop for all of your pet's needs. Not only is their facility state-of-the-art, but now you can download the free Lone Tree Vet app and visit their online store for your pet products and pharmacy needs. You can also have your very own pet portal. Plus, don't forget to read their blogs at LoneTreeVet.com. Do you take your dog on hikes? Check out hiking the trail safely with your dog. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe all pets deserve to have a good life. Call today, 303-708-8050, or check them out, LoneTreeVet.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. This is Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley on Sportsman of Colorado on KLZ 560. And we're going to go right to the phones. Ronnie Castiglione is calling from northern Colorado. Uh, he is a guide for Fishful Thinker Guide Service. Ronnie, how you doing? I'm doing great, Austin. How you doing today? Doing great. I certainly appreciate you calling in. Absolutely. No problem. Always fun to call into a radio show. Absolutely. So this time of year, as we've made mention, is really kind of a tough time of year to decide on what you want to fish for with everything really turning on. Is that kind of the case going on up in northern Colorado as well? Yeah, it's definitely fall. Fall is starting to get here. You know, we're getting fairly cold nights right now with temperatures in the upper 40s, low 50s down here on the front range up around Fort Collins. Quite a bit colder up in the foothills and in the mountains. Uh, we're still having pretty warm days, but uh, the water temperatures are dropping all over the in the northern part of the state here, and that fall fishing is definitely kicking in, Austin. Absolutely. So I'm seeing the same thing down here on the Front Range. Uh, a lot of bait fish around in at least uh, the lakes that I guide on. Um, you seeing that same kind of thing on some of those lakes up there? Absolutely. It's definitely a banner year, especially for gizzard shad up here in northern Colorado. Boyd Lake, for example, is absolutely full of shad this year. Uh, horse tooth to a lesser extent, but the bait fish are plentiful, and this time of year the predators are starting to strap on that feed bag. So, uh, you know, it's that time of year, Austin, where if you're not fishing in and around the bait or near the bait or near a structure that has bait on it, uh, then you're usually not catching a lot of fish. Yeah, I feel the same way, and a lot of times, at least around here, we're using that sonar to find that bait and find some of those fish, but I might not be finding them quite as stacked up as I normally would, at least with the walleyes around here. But what are you seeing up there as far as uh, some of those fish species that are getting going? Well, you know, early early in the mornings when we get out on lakes like Horsetooth and Boyd, we see a lot of open water fish, fish that aren't really relating to structure. Uh, they may be on certain days chasing the bait fish all the way to the surface, and those a lot of times are, are really easy to spot. You can see the boils. You can see fish rising. You may be able to find birds that are actively working those bait fish as well. 
Um, so we're seeing that a lot of times real early in the morning, especially on relatively calm days and low-light conditions. And then a lot of times what we're finding is as we get into the afternoon and boats start moving around and things like that, a lot of those fish that are in that open water tend to slide over to the nearest piece of structure. So, you know, when we get out and we start targeting fish, if we get out there early enough, we're going to be looking for those open water fish. And then a little later on in the day, we're going to start sliding around and, and start fishing the structure. Um, that's kind of my usual MO this time of year, Austin. Yeah, same thing with me. And now one thing that's really unique about Boyd up there are those white bass. Uh, around here, you'll find a few wipers mixed in in places like Cherry Creek and Aurora, but not in big numbers that you're finding fish that are boiling. You starting to see those fish bust on bait fish at all? Yeah, absolutely, Austin. If you can time the conditions right, look for relatively low wind conditions, look for low light conditions, be it real early in the morning or late in the evening, or even when you get a little overcast that stretches either of those low light periods out, uh, the white bass will absolutely chase the gizzard shad to the surface on Boyd. Um, you know, it's one of those deals where they'll move around the lake and they may not be in the same spot any given day. So a lot of times what I suggest people to do is, is get out on Boyd and make an initial figure eight all the way around the whole lake. Get out there, drive around the whole lake, look at the bottom end of the lake, look at the top end of the lake, and visually search for signs of fish boiling, birds working, that kind of thing. Pull into that area and keep your eyes open. A lot of times you'll see a ton of bait on the grass when you pull into the right area. And then when the white bass chase those gizzards to the surface, there's no mistaking it oh, often. Yeah. It's a straight-up boil situation. And accurate cast with small lures, a variety of things will work. But if you put those casts right in on those fish... They load up nine times out of a ten, Austin, and yeah. it could be a lot of fun. Well, it's super cool, and we've done that with wipers and white bass before, and the one thing you just mentioned with accurate casts really seems to be important. It's crazy because you'll find these fish, and, and they seem like they're just, just going off and eating anything, but if you lay it off and you you miss it even by a foot, they won't touch it, at least with my experience, and you got to get it right in there. Yeah, you really do, Austin. These fish are on bait, you know, so they're in there. They're actively feeding on gizzard shad, and, and you know, they're – there's a gluttony of those gizzard shad there when they're doing this kind of a thing. They're not going to turn off and come a great distance to track down another artificial presentation. But if you put something right there in that zone, right in that direction they're traveling, something that's going to you know stay pretty shallow through the water column like a small jerkbait, uh, a panther martin or silver one, something like that can be very effective. A lot of times a walking bait or some sort of other surface bait can also be very effective. If you put that cast accurately and quickly, right there in that area where those fish are going or even where you might have just seen an individual rise or an individual bust if you put that cast accurate and fast right there in that zone that fish will feed more often than not um, but if you miss it by 10 feet or by a few feet or if you're even just a few seconds late to making yep. that cast that fish is long gone a lot of time game over so how about uh, your largemouth up there Are you seeing some good uh, largemouth going on yeah, on Boyd is really going to be the lake that we focus on largemouth here in northern Colorado. Um, Boyd right now, the water level has dropped from full pool. It's anywhere from seven to eight feet low. And what we're seeing is a lot of the, the pond weed that grows in throughout the summer has really started to go away. So there's not a lot of surface uh, vegetation left on the reservoir. There's a few small spots of it. Um, but then there's another type of grass that grows in on that lake, kind of more of a stringy, deeper grass that tends to grow in. And once that, you know, surface grass goes away, that pond weed, a lot of times those largemouth really migrate and you'll find them on the edges of that stringier stuff. 
And so this time of year we get out and we kind of look for that stringy stuff. We're looking for the green patches of it, definitely not the, the browner patches that are dying off. And there's a variety of ways you can catch largemouth on board this time of year. Uh, early and late in the day, you know, the surface lures worked over the top of that stringy stuff can be very effective. And then also when we get in kind of wind conditions or maybe, you know, a little bit dirtier stained water, something like a chatterbait or a spinnerbait kind of worked over and then kind of kind of slowed down and let to fall right as it gets to the edge of that, that stringy grass. That can be incredibly effective this time of year, Austin. So the largemouth fishing is very good as we get into fall, and, and that will kind of continue depending on water levels. Uh, sometimes this time of year the water continues to drop out of Boyd and all the stringy grass can come completely out of the water and then it gets a little harder to catch those largemouth. Yeah. Once again, this is Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley on Sportsman of Colorado. Um, so let's shift on over to Horse Tooth real quick. So that's a lake that it's a different type of bait fish out there and, and uh, it's more of the smelt. What are you seeing out there as far as uh, conditions-wise? Yeah, absolutely, Austin. Now, there are some gizzard shad in horse tooth, but it's to a lesser extent, although we've seen a decent population of them this year. Been hearing that. Um, yeah, and the gizzard shad or the, the, the rainbow smelt that you're talking about are definitely the predominant bait fish in there. And the way to tell the difference between the two when you get out there and you're kind of visualizing these fish on your graph, uh, it tends to be that the, the gizzard shad are in smaller schools, and, and they tend to look like round balls um, when you look at them on the graph, whereas you get out there and, and you get on top of the smelt, you're going to see more of a long kind of line or cloud-shaped school, and they tend to be in much larger schools that spread out over much larger areas. Um, the fish can be focused on either of those bait fish, Austin. So, you know, if they're on the gizzard chad sort of a thing, a lot of times it's going to be something like a shallow running jerk bait or a surface lure worked over the top or in and around those schools. Um, those fish also get chased to the surface as well. And so you'll see, you'll see trout, you'll see smallmouth, but you'll also often see walleyes as well up feeding on the surface and you can you can catch those fish on any real shallow presentations if you're seeing other returns that are much deeper a lot of times that tends to be the rainbow smelt um, we catch a lot of those fish as we get into fall in that 20 to maybe as deep as 60 foot range and a lot of times that tends to be more of that vertical approach at that depth, Austin. Sure. So uh, things like digging spoons can be very effective if they're that deep in their foot uh, push near structure like a point or a hump and something like a blade bait bounced off the bottom can be very effective and then uh something like a you know a darter style bait jigging rabbit style bait can kind of also be very effective and that's also a very effective way to cover a lot of water when you're fishing those deeper fish often so you know it's really on any given day though those smelt that we see deep can also be very very shallow early in the morning and late in the day and on overcast day so it's really this time of year about fishing to conditions, paying close attention to your graph, keeping your eyes open and looking for visual signs on the surface, and then just kind of adapting those presentations when you get in around those bait fish. Heck yeah. Well, we got a couple minutes left here. How about let's slide up Poudre Canyon. What are you seeing on some conditions after the, the Cameron uh, fire last year? Poudre, well, it's a bit of a mess, Austin. Um, anything below, let's say, uh, Black Hollow Road, kind of below the fish hatchery that's about halfway up the canyon there, um, that's where the, the major flood came through from the, far, from the burn scar earlier this year. Uh, the river got really tore up down in that whole area, Austin. Uh, there was a significant amount of fish kill, from my understanding, which isn't a big surprise. 
uh, there's still fish in that river, in that section. They just can be a little bit harder to catch. Um, they're also right now, what we're seeing is we're seeing really, really, really low water levels in different sections of that river. I've heard various reports on why that is. Some of it is the rehab work they're doing on the river. Um, I've also heard that it's also has to do with the fact that they're still searching for somebody that unfortunately went missing, mm. um, during that flood. So, uh, I would pretty much just kind of stay away from the lower part of the river, but if you drive a half hour up the Canyon and get yourself past the fish hatchery, uh, fishing excellent this time of year once you get above that uh the 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 brown trout are going to be moving to spawn here relatively quick and they are very aggressive this time of year so the pooter can't fish well you just got to drive a little ways up at austin certainly appreciate it so ronnie if anyone wants to get a hold of you for a guide trip what's the best way to do that you can find us at fishfulthinker.com and all the information's on there as far as that goes you can reach out and message me, Ronnie Castiglione, on Facebook, or you can email me, Ronnie, at fishfulthinker.com. And uh, those are the ways to do it. Uh, you know, the last two years, Austin, unfortunately, because of COVID, uh, I kind of shut down my guiding end of the deal, still been involved with Fishful Thinker, that kind of a thing. Hopefully this next year I'll be back guiding if everything gets kind of, you know, straightened out Absolutely. here in the world. Chad and Dan Swanson have been guiding, however, and we can definitely put you with those guys. And they're, uh, Chad, Chad and Dan are, are still booking trips for this year. Heck so, yeah. Um, you, you can still get out, Austin. Well, and then looking at, uh, you know, look up Fishful Thinker on YouTube, on Altitude Channel. It's a great local show with Chad Lachance. Ronnie, you've made appearances on it. I've made appearances on it. So it's a great resource for Colorado fishing. But I certainly appreciate you calling in here on Saturday, and uh, we're going to hopefully talk here soon. All right, Austin. You have a good one, buddy. Once again, this is Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley on KLZ 560 AM. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break here, and when we, when we come back, we're going to have Dennis Hunter come on, and we're going to be talking about South Park pike and trout fishing. So you're listening to Sportsman of Colorado on KLZ 560. For over eight years, you've been hearing me talk about Phoenix Weaponry in Berthard. Hey, this is Scott Watley, your host of Sportsman of Colorado, here once again to tell you why Phoenix Weaponry should be your choice to build your new custom firearm. Phoenix Weaponry is a custom firearms manufacturer. With a combined experience of over 45 years, the Phoenix family can master even the most unique idea. Phoenix Weaponry manufactures a precision custom parts for ARs and builds custom precision rifles, as well as a full line of pistol, shotgun, and rifle suppressors. Whether you're an experienced connoisseur or a new enthusiast, let Phoenix Weaponry build you a dream rifle or a range blaster. Phoenix Weaponry is your one-stop shop for all of your firearm needs. Owner Aaron Casey says our attention to detail and one-on-one -on -one customer service sets us apart from our competition. Do it yourself or complete bills at Phoenix Weaponry. They're there to help you build your dream gun. Call them today, 720-340-2496. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. 720-340-2496 or check them out at phoenixweaponry.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. This is Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley on Sportsman of Colorado on KLZ 560 AM and 100.7 FM. We're going to go right to the phones. Dennis Hunter from All Pro Outdoors is on, and we're going to talk about South Park. How are you, Dennis? Pretty good. How are you doing, Austin? Doing great. I certainly appreciate you coming on. 
Um, you know, this time of year is always funny because we've we've talked about it in each one of these segments before, but there are just so many different things we can be doing. You, along with myself, we guide on Front Range Lakes, but you also spend a lot of time up in South Park as well in that particular part of the state. Really, I've been hearing it's been doing all right lately. Uh, how What have you been seeing up there? Yeah, it's been doing great. I mean, as usual, even comparing it to the Front Range uh, fishing, uh, even in the high country, as, as you know, in the fall time, we're going through a transition period. And with that being said, too, as far as uh, transition, we're talking about water levels, too. I mean, um, throughout the whole state, front range and high country, we're, we're, uh, we're dealing with the uh, low water levels that are starting to drop sure. now. It's making it a little bit more challenging. But as the water temps start, which is that's the main thing that's really getting me excited um, for this fall bite is the water temps dropping. I mean, for right now, we're still a little bit high in the water temperatures, front range, as well as up in the high country. But I'm uh, I'm expecting these water temperatures, especially in the high country, to start dropping. And as soon as they start getting in that 50-degree range, uh, low 50s, and especially by next month, which is a hot month for uh, for the uh, high country, um, they start dropping into those high 40s, the bite's just going to be on fire. Absolutely. So now we're talking about South Park right now, so that's going to be, in general, Antero, Spinney, and 11 Mile. And from what I understand, you've been out on Spinney a lot, and that at least is my favorite body of water up there. But um, what are you seeing as far as water temps up there right now? Uh, water temps, it's been a couple of days since I've been up there, but and I'll be back out there tomorrow with, on a trip. Um, but I've been seeing up, up in the low in the low sixties, uh, which is a little bit high for this sure. time of year. Yeah, I I agree, and I'm seeing the same thing on these front range lakes. I mean, here we are, almost October, and I'm seeing seventy degrees each one of these afternoons. But these fish are starting to kind of think about fall things right now. So what uh what some what are some of the techniques you've been uh, running up there at Spinney? Uh, well, <clears throat> excuse me. First off, as far as Spinney goes, which is my main lake I guide up there year in and year out. Um, it's been, from the beginning of the season, it's been a different season than normal. And what it started the whole season off was last year. We had severe low water uh, levels, so it put a damper on the fishing up there, especially in the month of October. And then this year, when Spinney opened up, uh, it actually opened up several weeks, weeks later than normal because of lower water temperatures. But what made it real interesting is with the low water levels, we had a, a heavy weed die-off. So once the water levels were up, we had abnormal weed growth you know going into the summer and starting this year it just made it a stellar bite i mean for the northern pike the majority of the trips that i book up there i do uh, trout and northern pike but this year was really interesting i had probably 95 percent of my trips that i take took clients out on was for northern pike and we sure. started catching trophy size hitting that 40 inch mark in uh as as early as may wow and it's been going that way all summer so it's just it's been awesome as far as that goes. And uh, normally, springtime into summer, um, very it's mainly trolling, a trolling bite. And we did a trolling bite, and then it shifted over for some weird reason to a casting bite, casting jerk baits and spinner baits. And uh, then it shifted over to, by midsummer, back to a trolling bite, which is abnormal because normally in like July, we stop trolling because of the high wheat growth. Sure. Because we had that low, that wheat kill off during during the uh, early months, earlier in the year, because of the low water level, that made it better for, uh, you know, for trolling bites. So we had a stellar trolling bite. Now it's shifted over to back to casting because, of course, not because of the weed growth, it's because of the water level dropping. Okay, nice. Well, that so, uh, is kind of an interesting situation there. So are you kind of casting the same type of stuff you were just talking about with some of those jerk baits and spinner baits? 
Yeah, pretty much spinnerbaits uh, on the casting. It's, it's spinnerbaits and jerkbaits. Another thing people might want to keep in mind is uh, for several weeks we've been starting to, to experience a topwater bite, which is great. That's one of the funnest things oh, yeah. I, I love to do up there. And a lot of my a lot of my regular clients that come to me every year for trips up there is that topwater bite. And like I said, as, as soon as this water starts cooling down closer to that, that 50 degree and high 40s, that we'll, we'll even experience a better topwater bite. So topwater yeah. bite, pretty much buzzbaits. Buzzbaits has been the norm. Uh, we've been mixing in Zara Spooks um, as far as topwater um, casting. It's been strictly jerkbaits, anywhere from 5 to 7-inch uh, jerkbaits. And when I say jerk baits, I'm talking about like rattling rogues, um, even uh, uh, floating rapalas, nice. like number 18 size floating rapalas, uh, anything that's green, perch pattern, because that's another thing. The uh, main, a uh, big forage base in that lake is perch. Yeah, that's something so that people green, I don't think green. quite understand is like how many perch are in there. I mean, everyone thinks that those trout are eating, or those pike are eating trout all the time, which certainly will happen, but man, there's a, a lot of perch nowadays. Yeah, and the other thing people, uh, I think a big misunderstanding is a lot of people think that the, the pike, they have a negative uh, image towards the pike because they think the pike are in there eating up all the trout. Well, that's far, you know, yeah, they are, but they're not eating them all up. That's part of the forage base. But on the other side of the coin, those if anybody's ever caught any of those big bruiser trout, those trout are huge up in there. I mean, big they average right 22 inches. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they feed on the smaller northern pike. Several years ago, one of the jerk baits that I, I tried using, I'm talking 15 years ago, was um, I was trying pitching a pike pattern floating rapala with the thoughts that, we all know that fish are cannibals, with the thoughts that, uh, you know, I'd catch northern pike on it, which I went for 15, maybe 14 plus years catching nothing but trout on that <laughs> until last year. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, food for thought. it's really it? interesting. And then, you know, lately I've been hearing that uh, those trout really have been getting bigger than they were even just a couple of years ago. I mean, I've been seeing some pictures of some absolute giants on a routine basis. Oh, yeah, we've been hitting the 24-inch mark several times on the trout this year. And uh, little food for thought, too, as, as strong of a, of a fighting fish as they are, uh, like we talked earlier, you know, I pitch in spinnerbaits. For, uh, for the northern pike, where well, those trout are hitting those spinnerbaits, too. We catch lots of trout on those same sides, those big jerkbaits and those spinnerbaits. Uh, two weeks ago, I had uh, a party of uh, clients out fishing, and uh, if anybody's familiar with uh, how heavy the wire gauge is on a spinnerbait, we hooked into a, uh, I, it, it was easy, 24-inch plus. We had it at the side of the boat, but it was fighting so hard it broke the wire on oh, the spinnerbait. Man. So that tells you. That tells you how strong those trout are in there. Yeah, and then once again on these spinnerbaits, just to clarify, this is, you're talking about bass spinnerbaits that are on your L-style arm rather than inline spinners. So that's kind of a misconception that I hear of a lot of times when people refer to spinnerbait. They're thinking of a MEPS or a big panther martin or something, which may work, but those bass spinnerbaits seem to be real good. Yep, yep, that's it. You, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. Bass spinnerbaits. Um, Anywhere I'm using it on average, I'm using a half ounce uh, spinnerbait. I only go to two different styles that I found that work for at least work for me through the years is a um, chartreuse skirt with a uh, double Colorado gold blade, nice. half ounce, and then the other one is a white um, skirt with a um, double chrome willow nice. willow blades on them. Those two have been pretty much my go-to uh, spinnerbaits up there. Um, I've tried different colors through the years, different color combinations on the blades or whatnot, 
But those two have year in and year out have been the most consistent. Heck yeah. Once again, this is Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle filling in for Scott Wally here on Saturday. Um, so we've talked, I've talked to a lot of different people up there, including people that guide in regards to steel leaders. And this is something that I have people request all the time at the store. They ask me questions about it. For one, they think you need steel leaders to catch walleyes, and that's certainly not the case. Um, what's your opinion on the steel leader uh, as far as pike are concerned? Well, that was the other thing uh, I probably missed out on, too. Another, another technique as far as trolling well, and pitching, too, is uh, spoons. I do use spoons. Sure. Um, I tend to go with bigger because there, there, there is a lot of truth to the old adage, big bait, big fish. Oh, yeah. And through the years, I, there is one of one uh, spoon that I could go to. It's an old old school standard, a daredevil. Oh, yeah. And I use them in three-quarter three quarter and one-inch size. And uh, that's the only time I use a, 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 a steel leader. I use a six-inch steel leader. Um, most of the time, those fish will hit it right at the front, but there has been a couple of times where they've engulfed it. Um, so I, I, that's the only time I've ever had issues there. Sure. Now, on the other side of the coin, you know, trolling, trolling those uh, jerk baits, I have lost probably two fish probably in 10 or 12 years, two fish on bite-offs where they engulf the whole, you know, the whole stick bait or jerk bait. But you can't use a steel leader on those jerk baits because especially when you're trolling them, because it affects the action too much. Yeah. It's weight. It's weight on the front of that bait. So it's just, you have to just go ahead and just uh, take the chance, which, like I said, in the past probably 10 or 12 years, I've only had two bite-offs where I saw them where they engulfed the, the whole jerk bait. Uh, spinner baits, same thing. Every fish that I've ever caught out there on spinner baits, you always catch them right on the corner of the mouth. Definitely. Uh, maybe the top the top of the mouth. Uh, again, uh, still leader that's going to affect that it's going to affect that uh, that spinner bait definitely so we've got just a couple minutes left right here you seeing any action on the trout any kind of good bug hatches or anything going off up there what are you what are you seeing on that the bug hatches are starting to die down but i would I imagine notice, uh, uh, with with the temperatures they where they have been this year the bug hatches have just been going berserk the, yeah. the two that i've noticed several times has been the mayflies and then um, big calabash. Um, late, lately, calabash. You hit yep. it on the, you hit it right on that. That's all it's been the past probably two, three weeks. It's been all calabash, um, and and mainly those those hatches happen, um, you know, right when the water everything calms down, sun's up high, and then suddenly bam, you get these hatches. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, for for like for for me fishing, uh, tarping mainly the northern pike and the trout in between. For us, it's just like down here on the front range for you with the walleye. We want that walleye chop. Oh, yeah. We want a slight good, little good, good breeze. Wind. We want a breeze, right, a, a, a little wind coming through, you know, uh, close maybe between 5 and 10 miles an hour, sure. mile an hour wind coming in with a nice little chop. And, and, of course, cloud cover is paramount. All helps. But, like I said, yeah, when it calms down up in the mountains, it's the same thing for the northern pike and for the trout, you know, with that chop and with the cloud cover. But like I said, that's when those hatches I've noticed. And there has been a record number of hatches up there this year. Heck, yeah. So before we uh, leave, if someone wants to book a guide trip up there for you, either on the Front Range or up in South Park, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can contact me via my website at www.allproloutdoors.net, or else they can actually they can call me on my phone at uh, 303-809-9241, and I'd be more than happy to pick them up. Dennis, I certainly appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, anytime. Thank you. So once again, this is Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley on Sportsman of Colorado on KLZ 560 AM and 100.7 FM. 
When we come back, we're going to go through a fly fishing report and round things out uh, for good fall fishing in Colorado. So once again, this is Sportsman of Colorado on KLZ 560. Hi, this is Chris Kane with 303roofer.com. If you're looking to put on a new roof because of hail, give us a call at 303-390-1382. We'll give you a cash price, which means you'll most likely get to keep some of your insurance money instead of giving it to us. It's your money, we know that, and we'll price the work accordingly. So give us a call today, 303-390-1382, or go to our website, 303roofer.com. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses. We'll look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado on KLZ 560 AM. This is Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle filling in for Scott Watley this Saturday. We've been talking about all kinds of fishing, and, and usually the fall is something that people are thinking about when it comes to hunting. And certainly we're going to have some great hunting coming up here on big game seasons in full swing, coming up on waterfowl and upland seasons coming up here. But as we've mentioned throughout this whole show, this really is a fantastic time to get out fishing. Not only are the fish very cooperative and, and uh, starting to feed really heavily before the freeze comes, but you get a lot less people out on the water. So you don't have to worry about these crazy summertime COVID crowds that we've seen over the last two years with everybody seeming to get into fishing, which has been fantastic, but certainly has uh, had a bit of a crowd situation going on. But as we're coming up into this fall time, the, the crowds really dissipate. And, uh, I mean, out on Cherry Creek, for instance, this last week, we've seen only a few boats on each one of these weekday uh, mornings. So that's certainly nice. But we've talked about a lot of conventional fishing, and I'm going to round things out with some great fly fishing going on right now. And the fall really is synonymous with good fly fishing for trout and salmon. And that's really where I'm going to start. So down uh, in Gunnison, above Blue Mesa, we are starting to see what is turning out to be a very productive uh, kokanee salmon Run. So this time of year, those salmon move up the Gunnison River and then up on uh, to the east, and they eventually make it up to the Roaring Judy Fish Hatchery, where the state collects the eggs and then artificially inseminates them to restock kokanees throughout uh, the mountain region. Same as we kind of see with the walleyes, but throughout that whole stretch, there's some great public access, and that kokanee salmon fishing is really a, a great time. So you can get through there and sometimes find those holes absolutely packed with those salmon. It's just the bottom is moving with with red fish. Those, uh, those kokanees are a landlocked sockeye and just turn into a brilliant shade of crimson red this time of year. 
one of my favorite techniques up there certainly is to fly fish for them. So I am going to be running nymph rigs primarily with a strike indicator and some weight. Pretty basic egg and worm type rig is really effective. So as with Alaskan salmon, when these fish are spawning, they are not actively feeding. So you have to really entice those fish and, and kind of irritate them to get them to go. So bright sparkle worms uh, are a really good way to go. Various egg flies, whether it be a pegged trout bead or basic egg flies, uh, whether it be a an otter soft egg or a yarn egg, all can work well. Oranges and pinks can be worthwhile. Now you can also swing streamers through them and I'll run even Alaskan style Dalai Lama sockeye flies that can work well. Bright pinks and chartreuses all are effective and letting those swing down through there is good. Now, I will make mention that uh, there is not permitted to snag in that particular stretch at this time of year, so it's all going to be uh, hooked-in-the-mouth type fishing, uh, so that's something to, to take into consideration. Along with the salmon, you do have a good number of brown trout that move up that river as well, and those brown trout a lot of times will be sitting behind those salmon, and you can catch them on some of those same egg flies, but this time of year is a great time to throw streamers. Uh, one of my favorite patterns that we stock down at Discount Fishing Tackle is called a rusty trombone. It is a fly that's made by Solitude Fly Company and it works fantastic in the fall. So that's one of my one of my favorites. Now as we were talked about up at Spinney, uh, we were mentioning a lot of pike here in this last segment with Dennis Hunter, but we do have opportunities at great trout fishing up there as well. So those big rainbows uh, will be turning on the feed. They are not spawning this time of year, although you can get into a few brown trout up above the lake. Uh, there's not as many browns in that lake as there are in 11 Mile, but you can find those rainbows cruising the shallows. Yeah, I like throwing streamers for them this time of year. One of my favorites is a bar's slump buster in a rust color. I'll strip that with a, a guide's choice hairs ear being trailed behind it. That's a very effective way to go. And you do have a few calabatus that are still going to be coming off. And as usual, there are a good number of scuds in that lake, which is a freshwater style shrimp. So if you're on the shoreline or in a boat or in a float tube, all of those can be an effective choice. Uh, just going downstream from Spinney into the Dream Stream has been a bit lower flows lately, but hopefully we'll get those flows to bump up. And when they do bump, those fish move up in there. Uh, there haven't been a crazy amount of fish yet, but we're anticipating a good salmon run this year. Same type of techniques go uh, on those salmon as they do on the gunnison that is a flies and lures only full catch and release section so even though those salmon all die at the end of the season you have to release all those so it's purely a catch and release situation some of the biggest brown trout of the entire year also come out over there so that's uh, a really worthwhile selection smaller streams this time of year are a really good choice uh, beaver ponds in particular are some of my favorite getting in those you'll have a lot of brook trout and those brook trout although not very big turn into an absolutely brilliant brilliant shade of uh, orange and greens and reds and whites they are absolutely brilliant this time of year and some of my favorite uh, fishing of the entire season in includes catching brook trout on small streamers and egg flies uh, you still can get those fish with these warmer conditions to come up on some dries as well you might get a sneak a hopper in or two for those at a higher elevation although that's going to be ending pretty quickly but small dries like a yellow humpy or an elk hair caddis or a parachute atoms with small trailers below on beadhead nymphs 
Juju Betis are a really good selection. Uh, Pheasant Tails and Copper Johns are standard, but little split case Blue Winged Olives are another one of my favorites. Shifting down toward Deckers, that is a, a fishery that tends to get less pressure this time of year, as does everywhere else. Uh, it's one of the, the higher bo- pressured bodies of water in the entire state. We are starting to see some Betis hatches coming off there, and when I say Betis, I'm referencing what's called a Blue Winged Olive. Betis is just another term for that. And Blue Winged Olives hatch this time of year, particularly if you can get a little bit of cloud cover on one of these cooler mornings or evenings, you'll have some of those mayflies come off and you can catch them not only on small extended body blueing dollars and small parachute atoms, but also on emergers. So I like putting that dry fly as my lead and then trailing a small RS2 or a chocolate thunder or a foam wing emerger all behind right in the surface film. And if you're seeing those fish come up and you're seeing their nose, they're likely actually eating the adult mayfly. But if you're just seeing the rolling on their backs, then that a lot of times means that those fish are eating emergers. So you'll need to fish that fly just barely below the surface, uh, but below that dry fly. So that can be a, a very worthwhile selection. Now, if you're not having a hatch up on deckers and, and those fish are staying down, Many times I'm liking to put a small micro stone or a mini leech, a Mayer's mini leech uh, from Umqua Feather Merchants is a very good selection as my lead fly. And then I'm trailing a small midge or a small betis down below that. Uh, Now up in Deckers and up in the Dreamstream for that matter, take some uh, pretty intense pressure throughout the entire season. And those fish are very accustomed to these presentations and they know exactly what's right and they know what's wrong so making sure your presentation is spot on is a critical element but then also using light line is critical as well i like fluorocarbon Fluorocarbon is a type of line that's a bit more expensive than your standard monofilament. The biggest advantage, however, is that it refracts light in the same way that water does, so it disappears under the water almost completely. So when you combine that type of line with a small diameter like a 6X, that's a lot of times going to give you your your best chance at hooking some of those fish. So that's some of my favorites. Now, a little bit closer to home, Waterton Canyon is a very good place to uh, go this time of year if you only have a couple hours after work or before work, riding your bike or hiking up that canyon uh, and getting past the Marston Diversion is a very good place to be. There are brown trout and there are rainbows up there. Egg flies, as we've mentioned, are going to be a good thing this time of year. But the same thing goes on the plat up there as it does at Deckers. So betas are starting to come off. So small RS2s, juju betas, and split case blueing olives all are a good choice. Now, I'm, I'm emphasizing fly, but we do have opportunities at conventional fishing on all of these bodies of water as well. A uh, small blue fox spinner or something that I like a lot, a dynamic lures HD trout can both be uh, very effective. A lot of times on those treble hooks with these fish that are uh, especially spawning, I'm going to be trying to be pinching my barbs on those just to get those fish back as quick as you can. Now, we're going to continue to talk a few more reports here before time's done, but I want to take just a second to mention that this time of year when you're having fish spawning, it's critical to make sure that you are not stepping on the reds and the spawning beds. Keep your feet out of the water and try and let those fish do their thing, especially those brown trout are doing a lot of natural reproduction around. So finally, I'm going to shift down and talk about some of the stuff that's over on the the western slope a bit. Um, The Colorado River this time of year is absolutely fantastic. Down low did take a lot of the mudslides coming from the Grizzly Creek burn scar, so 
getting up above that a little bit can be really effective. But along the Eagle River and the Colorado, both have a ton of browns in there. You'll have spawning runs and various articulated streamers can be good. We mentioned the rusty trombone earlier. But then additionally, I like uh, double ganga patterns. Those are a very effective place to be, as well as circus peanuts from Kelly Gallup. So stripping those streamers along those edges can it, uh, entice some of your biggest strikes out of the entire year. So that is an absolutely fantastic place to be up there. Uh, you have all kinds of high elevation lakes. We have uh, high plains lakes like Antero and Spinney. But all I have to say is that this time of year is one of the absolute best times of year to catch fish. So once again, my name's Austin Parr. I am co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive is the address, and I'm filling in for Scott here. Uh, down at Discount, we have a set of guys that's absolutely fantastically knowledgeable for all sorts of fishing. So if anyone has any questions, whether it be basic questions or advanced questions on anything we've talked about or really anything Colorado fishing, we have a set of guys down there, including myself, that can really get you pointed in the right direction. Uh, and not only that, but our selection is one of the best in the entire state, uh, whether it be fly fishing, conventional fishing, uh, ice fishing. We have a ton of that stuff coming in. So we're getting all that stuff put out. So if anyone's out there thinking about ice fishing with some of these cooler mornings, I am your place to be. So I have uh, great selections of sonars, shelters, rods, reels, jigs, as well as everything else, as we've mentioned here with jigging wraps, blade baits, big pike lures and flies so we are your place once again we're at 2645 south santa fe drive six blocks south of evans on the west side of santa fe i certainly appreciate everyone tuning in today uh, we're also going to be on air tomorrow um, on sunday uh, but definitely think about uh, getting the klz app uh, you can listen to klz 560 with that app as well as here on klz 560 am and 100.7 fm once again, this was Austin Parr filling in for Scott Watley. Certainly appreciate everyone tuning in and tune in next week, and Scott will be back. Thank you so much. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.